Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Hey, playwrights. Welcome to Hey, Playwright, a podcast about playwriting and life. Hey, Tori. Hey, Mabel. Tori, you and I are both proud honor roll members, which makes this show even more exciting because today we are going to be talking about She Persisted. Yes, there are two books of She Persisted that were just released a few weeks ago. There is one that is a collection of monologues by women over 40. And we are going to be focusing today on the She Persisted 30 10-Minute Plays by Women Over 40. We have three fantastic interviews from playwrights who are included in that She Persisted book of plays. We are going to be hearing from Jacqueline Rheingold, Jennifer Maisel, and Laura Rohrman. Now, you will be able to check out their bios in the show notes, but we just want to jump right into those conversations. So our first conversation is with Jacqueline Reingold. Welcome to Hey Playwright, and congratulations on this beautiful book. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so thrilled that the two of you are having us talk about these books. Uh, so I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for supporting us. Oh, my gosh. Yes, and I should say that Tori and I are both proud honor roll members even so. better. Back to the best. <laughs> Yay. So, Jackie, tell us, how did this book come about? Okay, I am happy to do that because it helps give context. I'd love to just read quickly the, the honor roll mission statement because it hooks into what the books are and what honor rolls, and it's hard to talk about them without knowing that. So I'm just going to jump in. Is that okay? Please. Absolutely. Great. Good. Yep. So this is just a paragraph, so I'm going to read it. Okay. Honor roll is an advocacy and action group of women plus playwrights over 40 and our over and our women plus over 40 allies whose goal is our inclusion in theater. We are the generation excluded at the outset of our careers because of sexism, now overlooked because of ageism. We celebrate diversity in theater and work to eliminate age discrimination as it intersects with sexism and other biases including those based on race, gender, identity, ethnicity, faith, socioeconomic status, disability, and sexual orientation in the American theater and beyond. And just note, we currently use the term women plus to include women, non-binary identifiers, and trans. So that's the mission statement, which hooks into what the books are, right? So, um, and it also hooks in, just as I start going off, into the current moment where we all know, or most of us know what happened with CTG and Jeremy R. Harris, and how uh, clearly there's still a lot of sexism in the theater, not, not surprised to, to many of us. And that how uh, 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 Teresa Rebeck then wrote about it in the New York Times. And then Sarah Shulman wrote about it in the L.A. Times. And she then focused even more specifically on older women writers. Thank you, Sarah. And she mentioned Honoral. And it happened to coincide with these books getting published. However, the books took two years to get published, and they come out of Honoral, um, which is a grassroots group of 1,400 members. Thank you for being part of it, Tori and Maybell. Thank you. Cool. Um, and it's a group of self-initiated action. So everything we do, someone in the group initiated and followed through by themselves because we're all volunteers. There's no staff. We're just who we are. So this project started with me saying to myself, my goodness, there's so many awesome writers, we need to get ourselves published. So I approached uh, Larry Harbison, who's a theater editor. And I said, hey, Larry, I have this idea. And he said, well, I'm going to be in New York. Let's have breakfast. We had breakfast. I said, how about books of 10 minute plays and monologues written by honor roll members? And he said, I'd love to do that. But the, I don't know if applause books will buy it sorry. And then he called and said, they're in, we're in, let's do it. So that's how it started. He edited the books because I didn't want to be in charge of picking and choosing mm -hmm. plays. Um, and yet um, I did get to write a preface, which gives a little history of honor roll. And Teresa Rebeck wrote an introduction and um, the books are out and it's uh, 30, uh, a 10 minute plays and 100 monologues from plays. That's how oh, it came to be. That is fantastic. Was there a call for entries then from honor roll members? And then uh, yes. Larry, he curated the, the list. Okay. Exactly. Wow. There was a call 
it was two years. It was two years ago, though, when the group was smaller, honestly, because now we're fourteen, more than fourteen hundred members. I don't know how what the size was then, but it was significantly smaller. But those uh, playwrights were invited to submit plays and monologues to Larry, and then he took it from there. Um, my hope would be is that we'll have another book which can include this much larger group that we now have, um, and uh, more writers can be published, as they should be. The other thing to note is that in the plays, it just occurs to me that there are some plays that are very new just from last year. And then there are plays that are, you know, 10 years or more or or older. And I think that uh, fits into our mission and our struggle to say that, hey, some of these playwrights have been overlooked because uh, the sexism that they encountered when they were younger and the ageism that they counter now has um, a, a you know, I've been against them to get their work out there. So we have both new plays and plays that have not, what were produced, but then kind of fell to the side because those writers didn't get the attention they deserved. Right. So, okay. So let's talk about your play. Oh, okay. Okay. I know. Yes. <laughs> Oof. <sighs> Mavelle. Yeah. We, we spoke this morning and she said, a love story. That I know. Like, uh, I got emotional. I got emotional Uh, at the beginning because I I had a feeling. And then by the end, uh, (laughs) scary cry, ugly cry, beautiful, uh, beautiful story. So, so can you talk about um, your play, how it came about, and why you decided to play in the piece? Sure. And thank you, Mabel. I think I said your name wrong before, and I apologize. So thank you. Um, uh, the play came about, um, I think it was uh, uh, someone at Ensemble Studio Theater asked me to think about submitting a one act. And I thought, I'm tired of writing short plays. I don't want to do it anymore. I love them, but I need to write a full length. And it was like, well, maybe you should really, maybe maybe you could write for some of the member actor members here. And so in my mind, I thought of two actors there that I loved and inspire me. Um, at the time, who are uh, Lois Smith and David Margulies. Um, so I wrote it with them in my head. David is now sadly gone, but Lois, of course, is still with us. So this was my imagination. It has nothing to do with their lives. I don't think they even ever read it. But I put this. I put them in this situation because I adore them and so much. Um, so that's where it came from. And then it was produced um, wonderfully. Uh, Beth Dixon and Jack Davidson performed it beautifully. Just a lovely, lovely piece. And so why did you find this? Why did you feel that this was appropriate for She Persisted? Or why did you choose this one? Well, I guess in part because it wasn't published for one thing. (laughs) That's a good reason. (laughs) And that's a good reason. And the other, of course, that this is a a book of uh, playwrights who are over 40, 50, 60. And while the plays are, it's not filled with characters that are all old. But this particular play was uh, written for two uh, uh, people in their 70s. And it seemed to make sense to me. Um, Though there's certainly all age ranges of plays in the monologues and, and in the plays. I'm a huge fan of the short form so I'm really excited to read the plays. I haven't had an opportunity to read all of them, but I did read yours. And one thing that struck me is, you know, telling that full story in 10 minutes, right? And the, the rich lives of the characters, because you're trying to pull everything in and it, you've got a short amount of time to do it. But I thought, wow, to to dig into this relationship and see how somebody holds on to something, mm-hmm. From many, many years before. Right. Yeah. It, it just really hit home <laughs> for me. Thank and, you. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So so thank you because I I love that it came to this beautiful resolution in the end because it was starting from a place of, I went, oh, where is this going to go? You know, this is starting off with that power, the 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 fight and the it seemed like the relationship was ending but it was really kind of coming full circle to a beginning and then of course what was happening with with her okay I don't want to give it away because (laughs) I want people to I'm trying not to say too much because I want I want the book I want the book to be purchased and for people to consider mounting these 10 minute plays. Thank you. And I'm just yeah. gonna plug that of course you can buy these books on Amazon or through the drama bookshop or through Barnes and Noble on their call she persisted uh 
10 minute plays by women over 40 and she persisted 100 monologues by uh, women over 40. Yes. So actors who are listening. Yes. Yes. Make sure you get that book of monologues. If you're always looking for great, strong monologues to use for your auditions, get the book of monologues. Yeah, absolutely. So Jackie, what advice then would you give for women who are coming in over the age of 40 and have decided, right? To start playwriting, maybe they are brand new. Yeah. That word emerging, right? Yeah. Gosh, coming yes. over the, yeah. Yes. So what advice would you have? Well, of course, I would tell them to join Honor Roll for one thing, because <laughs> it's an amazing community of women. Um, and it just reminds me, and I will answer the question, that uh, uh, there are a variety of, uh, of women in Honor Roll, some of them, like you said, who started playwriting later in life. And they're blocked out of those emerging writer programs because for some reason the theater is very confused about emerging versus young, that they don't mean the same thing, unfortunately. Um, so, um, uh, and yet there are other women in honor roll who had careers earlier on. And then when they reach, you know, usually around their mid 40s, somehow the theater uh, started to treat them the way, uh, you know, some men treat women, and they only have eyes on the young, oddly, and their careers stalled out. Um, and then other other women you know, uh, had other things in their lives. They were they were writing, or, or, but then they had to drop out for a while because they had children, or they had to take care of parents, or because they were women, they didn't make enough money, and they had to focus on that. In addition to, of course, all the other isms that can get in people away, racism and homophobia and transphobia, et cetera, et cetera. So back to your question, which is, um, um, I would say that, uh, you know, A, obviously they need to work and work and work and, and hone their craft, of course. And then um, if they are uh, also reaching out to opportunities um, that they, to me, that they embrace who they are and they don't try to be something that they're not. So that I think they have to be activists and writers if they're going to make um, any progress. And while they're doing both, they are, I think, serving their artistic um, impulses, but they're also, as activists, serving the community at large. And to me, it serves the theater community at large, not just older women. Uh, If you look at the audiences, audiences are often women over 40. We're the ones who buy the tickets. We're the one who have the purchase power. And yet we are somehow afraid to stand up and say um, how happy we are that now that there's a little more at least diversity in play selection these days, and I applaud that, and I know we all do, but we also want to say that... um, if you're not producing lesser known older women writers, you are ageist and you don't even know it. You are you are not seeing what is often invisible and prevalent in the culture and in play selection, which is that um, older women are dismissed. We are seen as if you didn't make it by whatever age, there's a reason and you're out. And that is not accurate because what happened is we all... Uh, Uh, encountered this incredible bias and only a couple of us made it through when we were young and we know those women's names and we love them. They're awesome playwrights and we support them. Yet there's a huge pool of incredible work that wasn't selected because there used to be only one woman slot for every season in the few theaters that even did a woman slot. So if you didn't get through that tiny little straw and become a household name, by the time you hit whatever, 45 or whatever age it was, you were a nobody. So um, I'm going off track. But if I would tell a woman to start writing, who start writing now or coming back to playwriting or who is so, uh, you know, dispirited and quit that now is the time to come back, because even in Sarah Shulman's L.A. op-ed piece, which I hope everybody has read, she says the time for change is now. And that includes women over 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. Let's just keep going. It's a lifetime of creativity. And if you're missing those plays, you are missing out. And you are practicing a bias against a huge, talented, fierce, fresh group of women playwrights. Mm, here, here. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very passionate about this. I can go off. So if I don't answer your question, reel me back in. I love it. And I love this idea of the activist writer 
I think that's so important. I think we don't have a choice. If you're a woman over 40, you do not have a choice if you want to be heard. And even more so if you're a woman over 40 who is a woman of color over 40 or a lesbian woman over 40, it's even harder. Um, so uh, uh, to me, the activism goes with the writing. And it, it, it means that you speak up to theaters when you go to the theater and you see what the season is. And if it doesn't include um, uh, older women, you say so, or you stop buying tickets. And when you see a season announced and it doesn't include women, you do what Honor Roll does. We all wrote endless emails. And yes, wonderful Teresa Rebeck and Sarah Shulman got the press because they are, I am thrilled, names big enough to get articles in the New York Times and the LA Times, but we all did it. It wasn't just them, but it was it was them with us all chiming in with them. So we get heard. Um, and the more of us that speak up, the more we can change things. I I really now want to hear how you came to playwriting. Oh, like gosh, what was sure. your journey as a playwright? Um, well, I was I was about 30 when I wrote my first play. And before that, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, except that I wanted to be in the theater and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I worked at Ensemble Studio Theater in New York where, uh, and this is the truth, um, uh, Kurt Dempster, now gone, ran and founded that theater. But part of my job was to sit on his lap every day. And I did not know that that was weird or wrong. I was 20, whatever, you know, and I thought, oh, I guess this is what you do. You sit on his lap every day. So nevertheless, that was part of that job. And uh, talking uh, talk about sexism when we were all younger. Um, but the thing that was magical there for me was the weekly literary meeting when they talked about plays. And I thought, oh, my God, this is where, you know, things really happen. Um, I had some vague designs that I might be an actress. I was terrible. I might be a director. I was terrible at it. But I started to take a playwriting class. And over time, I wrote a play and it got produced and it got a nice review. And it was a good review. And it's the best review I ever got. And I thought to myself, well, that's easy. I think I'll just do that. You know, that looks like a good idea. And needless to say, it didn't go so well um, after that, though I had some productions and grants and was involved with theaters. And I loved it, loved it, loved it. And then I hit that age and it was like, you're, it's done. We don't want to read you. We don't want to produce you. We don't want to invite you. And I didn't understand it. And um, for me, what happened then is I had playwright friends who had transitioned to TV, which was a place I did not think I ever wanted to go, but they started to say, well, maybe you could do this. And um, you know, at a certain point, I just went to the door that was open, and that door was open to me. And yet, when uh, Honor Roll uh, came around, which was in 2018, there was a Facebook grant about the generation of women playwrights that was about to disappear. And what, were, what, how could this happen? They were submerged, they were sandwiched, they were ignored, they were gone. And I was named. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm not crazy. And there were 40 pages within 24 hours of 400 posts of everybody saying, oh, my God, you're right. What about this one? And the lists, everybody listed their, <gasps> their, the playwrights they admired and loved whose work was gone. You never heard about them anymore because they had passed 40 or 50 or whatever age. So some of us then got together and uh, started to first we just started to moan and complain and we all felt better, but nothing happened. And then uh, a year later, in 2019, um, uh, some of us then started to actually have meetings, and we created an executive committee. And that committee is uh, me and Lucy Wang, Yvette Heiliger, uh, Cheryl Davis, Sarah Tuft, Olga Humphrey. I hope I didn't leave anybody out. I hope that was seven, but if, um, uh, I should look back. But anyway, I'm just, uh, 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 I'll keep going. If I left you out, I f forgive me. Um, and um, uh, since since then, we have, you know, put structure behind our uh, impulses, at least to a degree. And um, we are uh, accomplishing many things. And the books is one of them. So that's from my play playwriting back to honor of or honor roll, of course, because as I work in the activism vein, I tend to, you know, I, I'm a writer but I'm, but I'm also an activist, as I was just saying. So I balance both. And the activism um, is, is uh, quite um, important. 
Um, so I devote a lot of time to it as well. You are a powerhouse, Jackie. <laughs> oh my goodness. So inspiring. You know, when you were when you were saying that that post went up on Facebook and all yeah. the names being added and you said you saw your name, like I I got chills. Ah, yes. Because I did too. Yeah. But I mean, 40 pages. Yes, I can, you know, with it's names. It, I, I keep it on my desk. It's there. Oh, maybe Cindy Cooper. I might have left her name off. Sorry, Cindy. There you go. She's on the executive <laughs> committee. So Jackie, yeah. what inspires you these days? As far as, as the stories that you want to hear, the stories that you want to tell, what what's inspiring you? I mean, really what inspires me mostly are uh, are women, all kinds of women. I mean, there's no... A lack of my fascination for, uh, I mean, these days it's obviously I'm not meeting that many people because I'm still not going out that much, but um, women I read about, women I already know, um, women I see in all kinds of areas of my life where I, where I still see human beings, thankfully. Um, uh, I think that's really what it does. And the, 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 the struggle of women from all walks of life to be authentic and to um, be passionate, and and uh, as they they age, to continue to do all of those things, you know, and and uh, 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 to be um, engaged in the very difficult world that we're in, which is a struggle, um, and to maintain our integrity and our truth and our uh, you know differences, that huge variety. Um, and diversity. Um, I think that's mostly what I, I see it as a, as a struggle. We struggle daily and, uh, you know, drama is struggle. So it appeals to me in that sense. And, and how do you keep the energy to, to keep confronting that struggle? <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> I think it's the victories that do it. So in other words, let mm. me tell you, if you talk to me along the way, while these books were in process for two years, there were a lot of problems along the way. They were endless. And, um, you know, there's a fair amount of despair um, and hopelessness, as there is for all of us. Um, but when something works out and, uh, you know, when, when the books came out, when the 10-minute the playbook came out, and it was the number one new release on mm. Amazon in American new American dramas and plays, I, 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 you know, I threw, I went through the roof. I was so excited. So I think that's what it does. That's what uh, energizes me is when, you know, the hard work pays off. Mm-hmm. Wait, when, when was the book released? The book was released November 1st. It's not, it, it, that's oh when my it was gosh. released. Yes, November 1st. Days old. Both of them were released <gasps> November 1st. And when it was released, it yeah, was number day. one? Yeah, the first day. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I have the screenshot to prove it. I was so happy. Yeah. That is incredible. And we have, you know, because wow. again, we're all volunteers. We have a volunteer press team that's contacting people. We have a volunteer book launch team. We're trying to create an event, which of course these days is more difficult, but we're going to, we're, we're still working on it. Um, uh, so a lot of people uh, doing a lot of volunteer hours uh, makes a difference. And it really does. I, I wanted to ask actually what you are working on right now, or if you sure. have anything you would like to talk about or plug. I'm rewriting one play and I'm in the middle of uh, uh, the first draft of another play. And the one I'm rewriting, it's a kind of a, a fairy tale slash Borscht Belt comedy. So it's, it, it, it's about a, a, a tiny, tiny woman and a giant man. And they fall in love, but they can't be together. But then they kiss and they meet in the middle and then they keep going. And ha ha, oh, no. they're married, the man becomes uh, tiny and the woman becomes a giant, which creates problems for them. Um, as all marriages end up. No, I'm kidding. Um, and they each have, they each no, have a. You're right, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they each have a sort of extreme comic uh, parent who are very uh, sort of archetype comic sorts and they fall for each other too. So it's really all about love and comedy. And the other one I'm writing is a two character play. It's an EST Sloan Foundation commission, uh, mm. loosely inspired by a, um, um, a real uh, woman who uh, it has no very little fear, I should put it. So it's about this woman who it doesn't experience much fear in her life and the neuroscientist that she's being 
studied by. And it goes over like 20 or 30 years in these two character scenes that are out of order. And you learn about the science and you learn about their relationship. And hopefully only by the end do you really get their story that it will fully come together. Hopefully in some way that's metaphorically about how also the brain is in separate pieces and only works together. You know, uh, you get the full picture when all the pieces work together. So that's, Mm. yeah, the two plays I'm working on. And then in January, I go back to my TV job, which is my day job, basically. Oh, Oh my goodness. You are busy. Oh, thank you. (laughs) That's amazing. Can I, can I just do one thing? I'd love to just read if you let me. Um, of course. Uh, 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 two set, three sentences that Teresa Rebeck wrote in the introduction to Please. these books. Yeah, so I'm absolutely. just going to read this because I love it so much. Teresa Rebeck writes, these women are in their 40s and 50s and 60s, and they have been writing a long time, and they are at the height of their craft. These are tight, complex, nuanced pieces of writing, which no one has seen because for too long they weren't looking. These are important writers and important plays. Yeah, I I read her introduction and the preface. It's it's just I I'm I'm saying right now everybody get your copy because these plays are they're fantastic and you could literally have several evenings of theater. <laughs> yeah, but and I also do just love short form. All right. So now we get to the the point where um, we love to leave our listeners, especially our emerging playwrights over 40 um, with with something to do. Because Tori and I, we're both teaching artists and we feel that everybody has a play in them. Everybody's capable. So Mm -hmm. um, so we love to leave our listeners with uh, with something to do. So, um, Jackie, do you have a writing prompt for us? Sure. Here goes my favorite woman over 80 is there you go there you go jackie can i ask who your favorite woman over 80 is i think because she's in my head right now i have to say lois smith Mm. because we just talked about her and i'm i'm just i'm so taken by her did you say she doesn't know she's the inspiration i don't think she knows i've never asked her but i suspect she wouldn't know I suspect she doesn't know. Well, if she's on social media, I'm tagging her. <laughs> I don't know when this episode I, drops. <laughs> I, I don't know if she is, but... <sighs> it's been so wonderful getting to talk with you today. Well, thank you again. I'm so appreciative. I, I, I'm uh, just uh, honored uh, to have been able to be here and to talk to you too. Well, thank you for all of the work that what you have started... What what the honor roll founding members have started and what you are continuing, what you are putting a lot of energy in at, to all of you, we are are benefiting and hopefully can be a part of of continuing to amplify the mission of honor roll. So thank we are you. Honored. you. You already are, Mabel. That was an awesome conversation, wasn't it? Yes. So now I am so thrilled to invite Jennifer Maisel. <laughs> you got the thumbs up! <laughs> <laughs> to a conversation about her play that is included in She Persisted and her play Fish. Yes? I just have to go back and remember how many S's and how many H's are actually in it. because Yes. Know. I was like, is it four? Wow, I have to tell you, your Three play... S's, four H's, in case we want to keep track. <laughs> there we go. So it's fish. <laughs> but but your, your play as a parent right now of a 14-year-old daughter, wow, oh. really, uh, really resonated with me. So um, thank you. Thank you for creating this story so that I could live... <laughs> When I was reading it, I was also saying some of it out loud because I thought, wow, I feel this. I really, I feel this. Please, if you could tell us about the evolution of the piece, that would be great. Sure. Well, I also have a daughter. Um, She is, oh my gosh, she's 19. And um, uh, I was actually commissioned for this by Salt Lake Acting Company after a 10-minute play of mine was 
um, at the Humana Festival in Louisville. Goody F in the two shoes. So they contacted me and they commissioned me to write that, which was great. It was, uh, haven't been commissioned often. So that was nice. And, um, and they had a theme of water and mm. that's where the ideas came from. And of course, at the time I was midst parenting and the, the, the play goes back and forth between kind of ages of being, um, a parent to a daughter. So it went, you know, from baby to small child to where I had not been yet, which was teenager. I think there were just very many feelings about motherhood and parenting that were in there that, you know, that came out. They didn't end up doing it. And I think the baby doll kind of like confused them. I was going to ask you about that. I didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't confuse me. I got it. But I wondered, was it that they, they weren't sure how to, to, you know, rig it to fly it or like I, I what? Mean, some of what I got from that, but also, you know, I mean, they, when you commission for things like this, you commission for more plays than you're going to be able to do. And I think things mm-hmm. have to fit. And um, it may not have really spoken to their idea of a water play. I have no idea because mm. uh, I just knew that they didn't end up doing it. But then, and I, so I've never seen the production of it because but I didn't get to see the one at 10 by 10, the triangle. And um, I would like to. So now that it's been published, maybe somebody will see it and get excited about it and do it in a way that I could see it. Um, but it was at 10 by 10, the triangle was directed by a dear friend of mine, Joseph Meagle. And so I'm sure it was amazing, but it was pre the time period where you could kind of, you know, zoom into it and, and, and stream it or easily videotape something. <laughs> um, but a lot of it came, you know, that parenting thing. And I will say the part about give me your nose and put it, I'll put it on my face that was something my daughter actually said that I stole. So <laughs> now at 19, maybe she'll sue me. I have no idea. <laughs> no, you said, look, you inspired that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're a writer. It, it, my husband got me a mug that says, you know, I'm a writer. So anything you say can be used in a play. Isn't that true? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I do it <laughs> as much as people think that you do it. Right. You know, and everybody's always like, oh, you can write a play about this. I'm like, if it has anything to do with my life, I do not want to write the play about it. Like, mm. I'll steal a line or, like, a place. But I have a play called The Last Seder, which takes place in a house that I modeled on the house that I grew up in. Um, and there's one story in it about my grandfather, how he used to eat the horseradish, like instead of just taking like a bit of like the red horseradish, he would actually bite into the root. And I stole that story. (laughs) But other than that, it's not my family and it's not anything. And it's about four daughters going home for the last Seder in their parents' house before the dad's put a home for Alzheimer's. And people would walk up to my father and say, is this true? And I'm like, he's holding up his sentence. They also said the same thing about a play where there was incest between the father and the daughter. And I was like, also, really, he's right here. So, no. I think people don't understand that writers have imaginations and not Mm -hmm. everything. I I mean, not to just people in general, but if they don't have the imagination themselves to make up fiction, then they don't understand how you could write something that's not necessarily your exact story. Right. How did you come to playwriting? So I think I was like the kind of person who, like as a kid, I always thought myself in the third person. And I always thought I would write, but I didn't necessarily know I was going to write plays. When I got to college, a a friend of mine who I had known from before college said, oh, there's this playwriting class. Let's go take it. We had taken a theater class together somewhere else. And I was like, they asked, you know, you have to have permission. She's like, well, let's go get permission. I was like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> um, and I, we were at Cornell, and, and the professor's name was Robert Gross, and he let me in, and he ended up becoming my mentor. And I, I found the place where I, I knew I should be writing. Mm-hmm. So I try fiction every once in a while, and then I'm like, it's so many words. It's just <laughs> so many words. <laughs> you know, like every time you start prose, you're like, I've written seven pages, and two minutes have passed in the in the timing of the story and I'll eventually finish a novel, but it's going to take me like 30 years. 
because it's not, you know, and plays, I mean, just, I, I was always doing theater and I had a deep love for it. And I love the collaboration. I love how it takes something else to make it come alive. It's, it's, it's fine. It's a play if it's in here, but you know, it's not meant to be read. It's meant to be seen and heard and experienced. And I love that. So that is what has also been extraordinarily hard about the last 18 months. So what have you been doing during these past 18 months to kind of deal with the whole, we can't be like crying and eating chocolate. (laughs) Oh, you too. (laughs) Um, I, I have written a lot. I, I finished a play that I had started in the roads under construction group. It's called third person. It's, but it is alternating monologues over the course of a couple's relationship. So it's kind of a little bit like, um, love letters meets Spalding gray. Oh, nice. And, um, and then I got, uh, invited to be a, a, a fellow at Dalhouse. Um, which is mm. Eugene O'Neill's West Coast estate. Oh, wow. They, so you get to go and just like you're literally by yourself in like the the luggage room at his house that they give tours of. But you don't really run into <laughs> anybody. It, it butts against this amazing park. And, um, and it was right like it was April. So it was right kind of when people were kind of starting to kind of come out, out of hiding. Then I went like almost into hiding again. And I wrote... Um, a play called Yellow Wallpaper 2.0 2020, which is about, it, it's it's more motherhood stuff. I think you would love it, but it's like the, the riffing on the actual Charlotte Perkins Gilman story, but a, about a female professor who is like an adjunct professor. Her husband's a full professor. They have this 15 month old baby and they're stuck in COVID. And then she needs to go into quarantine in the room and her obsession with Gilman and how she's, you know, and the seeing of the, someone behind the wallpaper and kind of feeling she would have this relationship with Gilman. But then finding out, as I did recently, because I've been a huge fan of Gilman's for years, is that Gilman was a huge anti-Semite and racist. <gasps> and what that does no. to her. Right. <laughs> right. Uh. So you have the foremother of feminism and, you know, but that also is very, it's, it's a lot of monologue and a little bit of dialogue between her and her husband. I think I was kind of trying to like acclimate to the form, you know, acclimate, mm-hmm. acclimate to what we can do now. And I still don't really know what we can do now. I mean, cause everything we're doing, it feels like we're like, okay, we're crossing our fingers and we're hoping that works. And um, so both of those plays could be done in a bunch of different ways on stage, distanced. They don't need to touch that, you know, um, or in some other form or like a regular play. So that's, that's, I wrote those during the pandemic and worked on some screen work and did some short plays for people that they did over zoom. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we get back to it. I saw a play in person, like a full production in person yesterday for the first time. And I don't know, since February, 2020. How was that experience? How did you feel? It was well. One, she's also in the book. It was Inda's play. Um, it's called The Hit Dog Will Holler, and it was weird being back because you know LA is such a tight theater community. So definitely, I ran into people I knew, which was lovely. But then she was like, "Still have your mask and still have your vaccine." And I was very like, "I want my seat over here where I where I'm not going to encounter anybody." Um, but it was okay, and it's just like magical to be back in a theater Mm. just magical and it's a really good play so people should go see where's it playing it's at the skylight theater in los angeles and it's a co-production between skylight and playwrights arena okay we'll put that info in the show notes yeah we will yeah i really love this group because i do think that we've been enculturated individually to not take action. Um, Especially having grown up at the time that we grew up. And I feel like there's that power in numbers where you can kind of make a thing happen when you have this backup by other people and other people who are, you know, arguably sometimes just more fierce than you are. Um, But there's just so much. I mean, I constantly go back to the fact that I think it was 2008 
when the whole watch cry of 50-50 in 2020 happened. Mm-hmm. And here we are, 2021, okay, like give a little room for COVID, but really not that much. And there's no way we're 50-50. There's no, no way there's gender parity. We're not close. Mm-mm. And it's it's just, it's infuriating and heartbreaking. And especially now, I think, for playwrights of honor roll age, we do see it that, you know, people are looking for people who are emerging, which they define as like fresh out of grad school, which they define as 25, which is one, not always true because a lot of the women in honor roll are, you know, came to playwriting later, but also what does it mean to be emerging? And what does it mean to have emerged? And I could tell you countless stories of, you know, I won big awards when I was like 30 and then like artistic directors, like literally saying, well, you know, we could be the ones to put you over the verge, but we're not going to. Mm. <laughs> Male artistic directors, I should say. And I, I just hate that also, because I hate the idea that this is the polarity we're in. Because, you know, when that 2008 study came out, it was something along the lines of, of new plays in this country were by women, but they made 35% of the box office. Right. So it's not about money. You know, it's about also kind of who buys the tickets and who's interested and, you know, who, who do you want to see? And, And look, we're not all only writing plays about women. It's a frustrating place to be because as we're, you know, moving to this phase where finally, like, BIPOC writers are getting recognized to, mm-hmm. you know, much more, and and that needs to happen. I think a lot of people are saying, but don't forget the women, over, you know, we're trying to say, like, don't forget the women over 40 of whatever ethnicity. Don't, you know, like, hello, we're here. And I, I think what I really like about this group is they're, they're trying to make things happen and not sitting back. So what advice would you have for a playwright, an honor roll eligible new playwright? Somebody who's just starting out, mm. discovering this medium and is like, this, this is what I want to do. Besides don't do it? <laughs> really? Would you, would, no, no, would I, that, I wouldn't would that. That No, I think, I, I think it's, it's no. First, I, was, I would say join honor roll. Okay. Second, mm-hmm, I would say... Mm-hmm. And this is just a general, in general, about a career in theater is understand what you're getting into if you want a career in theater. Because, like, read Todd London's Outrageous Fortune. Read, understand that making a, a living at being a playwright is a unicorn. Like a rainbow uniform, right? Right. It's okay. It's okay. I, actually, I never say don't do it. I, I, I actually say, like, do it but like do it with your eyes open because I don't think right. I went to graduate school really young. I don't think I had any idea. I don't remember them teaching us anything about what the business really was. I was like 24 when I was done with graduate school and I was like, Hey, I'm here. Everybody's like, who cares? <laughs> no, um, they don't. They don't talk to you about the business. No, I don't even remember getting, uh, any, um, information or assistance about, anything that was out there, like as far as where to submit. I don't remember getting any of that information that would then help me beyond getting my master's degree. It's, right. it's, I, yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like it was, here's your degree. Good luck. See ya. <laughs> oh, by the way, can you donate to something to the school? Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> right. Join our alumni organization. Yeah. And I think I'm hoping it's better now. I do think it's better now. I think that the graduate programs in particular are are good at pushing their people forward. But I'm like, how about over here? Right. (laughs) Your your alumni. Um, But also, I would never say don't do it. I would just say understand what you're getting into and make things happen. Make, you know, you, you, you can't, you have to, you know, don't sit there and say, if I have an agent, it will change everything because it won't. It's still going to be you and your relationships. And I think that's someplace also where I was not taught to be pushy. I was to- taught to take no for an answer. I was taught, you know, I was taught a lot of things that were not helpful to me in this career. 
and and I do think people who were <laughs> but, very, but but able to tout themselves really well that it takes you it takes you far and I think that's just more of how men are enculturated than women yeah I had a a playwriting a, a professor who wrote a letter of recommendation for me and he said chutzpah with Stephen Deeds. <laughs> like, hey, you know, she has chutzpah. <laughs> you need it, right? Like that's what, that's what we need. And it's it's not always easy to do because I'm much better off. Like I can I can tell you lovely things about a lot of the playwrights in this book, but then if you said to me, you know, tell me the lovely things about you, I'd be like, oh, oh right. <laughs> um, but that's I think that's also what this group is about. Mm-hmm. And that they should be on, um, everybody should be on National New Play Exchange. Yes. And put their plays there. In your career as a writer, what is one thing that you are really proud of? I'm going to say, because it's the most recent thing, is, and I want to like turn this around. I'm realizing your audience can't see this, but I'm going to turn it around. That is my ovation award. Can you see <gasps> it? Oh, wow. Um, so that was for my play, Eight Nights. Um, which Antius Theater produced in Los Angeles right before the pandem- pandemic, good timing. Um, and it it was just like a playwright's dream of a production. And this, like the cast that I can't get out of my head, it won the, it, won, it got nominated for nine Ovation Awards and we won for, wow. we won for Best Actress and Best Playwriting. Wow. So I love that mm-hmm. statue and it's very heavy and I could kill somebody with it. So that's awesome. It's uh-huh. very useful. <laughs> So anyone brace my hand. Congratulations. Thank you. And then that play is going to open in, um, in a week at the Pear Theater in Mountain View. So it's got a, I have a production. Happening Yay! Wow. In the middle of all this. And I've been, I'm going to zoom into a rehearsal later and watch everybody in their masks rehearse, which I bravo them. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Truly. Wow. Mountain View, are you talking like up near San Francisco, right? Yeah. 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 The wow. like right across the street from Google. So um, awesome. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. It's really neat. And I got to go to the first read, which is wonderful. And I've I've been zooming in for things and um and I'll go up this week and see the opening. Right on. So exciting. Yes. 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 <laughs> All righty. So let us, uh, you said that you had a writing prompt for us? I do. I do. This is like one of my favorite prompts, but it's also, I think, very apt according to the pandemic, which and usually, I don't have it physically in front of me, but usually I sit here and I show people all these old folders of recipes from like the 1950s from craft, mm. you know, like the craft, the craft companies, like cheesy recipes. And they'll be like, the, the Mexican party dip, the Jewish blah, 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 <laughs> and they're all using craft things. And I just talk about the fact that, and I it shaped it into this pandemic is like, what did we do during the pandemic? Which is, you know, we made bread and we cooked and we cooked, <laughs> and then we cooked more. <laughs> and, um, and I love to ask people to just write the recipe of your family and see where that takes you. Jennifer Maisel, thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you for sharing your insights and your beautiful play. Again, thank available you. on She Persisted. And Eight Nights is opening next week. Yes, on the 20th. On the wow. 20th. So exciting. Congratulations on all thank of your you. success. We'll put the link to that in the show notes. Um, and um, and yeah, we, we'd, I'd love to talk to you some more in the future. I think yeah, we could do me like too. You, you have my email address. Let's. let's Let's do it. Yeah, that. yeah. That would be fun. This has been great. And thank um, you so much for asking. And hopefully I didn't say anything too incriminating. That was awesome. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. There, There's just so much to learn from these playwrights. I'm I'm just so honored that, that they came on our show. Now, our final conversation for this episode is with Laura Rohrman. Welcome, Laura. Hi. Good to be here. <laughs> So, Laura, tell us about um, your involvement in Honor Roll. You have a connection, or your family, I guess, has a connection to Honor Roll that's pretty significant. Yes. 
Um, my husband created our logo, Dimitri Paperni. I'm going to give him a plug because he doesn't have, awesome. we don't, I don't have the same last name. I never changed my name, but, um, my husband is a designer and I talked him into helping the honor roll during COVID. Lucy Wang, who you interviewed, she, um, was one of my first playwriting teachers way back when. And, um, Yes. So long ago that it's just uh, funny how full circle this comes because it was San Francisco, you know, like 2000 and she was my first playwriting teacher at ACT. And, wow. uh, and I could go on and on about that, that, that it's just such a funny, she's connection. such a great teacher. That is so cool. She was, she was amazing. And we read my very first little play I wrote in uh, this class that I took and I was in advertising and it was around the corner from where I worked in advertising. Um, and isn't that funny? And mm -hmm. I worked for Goldberg Moser O'Neill in San Francisco and then went to her class, loved it, had my first kind of like real reading where people really reacted. And then I started thinking about graduate school and all that and moved to New York, um, uh, the, you know, the next year. So that is my connection. Lucy invited me into, um, the honor roll. I guess she figured I was over 40 finally. And, um, like, Oh, Laura's around, oh, you know, and then I got invited in and then I started, um, following the posts and I can remember the first honor roll post. And I that I either saw it on Brooke Berman's because I'm, I'm Facebook friends with Brooke Berman. I either saw this post and was, was definitely paying attention. It was this post that was all about, um, you know, like where are the opportunities for women over a certain age, this sucks or, you know, and winter Miller was chiming in and I was very quiet because I sort of felt like if Brooke Berman's having a hard time and she was a, she was getting off Broadway productions when, I was in graduate school just starting out and she's not that much old, you know, we're similar age, I think, but I was, I was just starting out in graduate school. And, and so I felt like, oh my gosh, if this is a common, this is really this, if everyone's having this problem, then it's a, then it's a systemic, you know, it's a, it's a problem in theater that after a certain age, we already know it happens in TV writing. Mm -hmm. So big time. We already know that, oh, you're not supposed to be over 36 and writing for television or trying to get a job in TV. Um, uh, or so, but in theater, it's also, there are all these opportunities for younger playwrights. And then when I found out that not even Juilliard was taking playwrights over 40, you know, so, mm. but then where do women fit in? That was the, where, where do you fit in at, you know, they're finally, they're finally paying more attention that there needs to be parody in the theater, but where, what about the Gen X? What about the women over four? And I mean, I'm on the younger end of that. So what about all, all these other women? So I just kind of was there. And then I spoke up at a meeting right before COVID saying, my husband will do our logo. So here we are. <laughs> so I have a question about your fabulous play, getting in touch with your dark side that is in this book. The piece was submitted in 2019 or 2020, right? But it was actually written in 2006. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. okay. It was a, it was a much older play and um, he just, asked, it didn't, they didn't have to be necessarily recent plays. So he just asked for a few. And um, I mean, of all my plays, I've written so many short plays, some that have been finalists for Samuel French Festival. I'm just so surprised that that's the one that get that that's my first short play to be um, published as well. So, you know, go figure. I, I love the, the premise of this play. And I love that they're in a boat. Like I, that is so theatrical to me and so interesting that I would love to see it on stage as well to see what that might look like and what a director and designers would do with it you know how they would how they would uh, realize that with lighting and and all of that I think it could be a ton of fun and it's got just this this lovely twist in it that you're not expecting <laughs> yeah, I have said that, that part um, no no it's it's great I think anybody listening who has the means to produce please please I'm looking at my camera like they can see me Nobody's going to this. So, but it was very funny. And a friend, I had a friend um, who was over 
at a, our kid daughter's birthday party, I said, do you feel like reading this? And we happen to be in high school drama together. And we're just now hanging out a lot again, because our daughters are the same age. And she was laughing. She was, <laughs> she was having a good laugh about that play. This is oh, yeah, there are some, there some of the moments. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you do this, Mabel, but when you're reading, do you start to kind of replay some of your bad relationships? <laughs> That's what I was doing. I was Tori. Reading. It's funny because as I was reading the play, I was replaying your bad relationship. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that's how I should have phrased it. I should have said, when you're reading this play, are you replaying my bad relationships? <laughs> so. I feel like I was a different, I mean, 2006, that was before yeah. I had kids. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I was this different writer back then. I was the writer in all the, because I was in a lot of New York festivals, a lot of festivals. Um, and I was the person who would always write plays like that one, like crazy. Um, the character just says whatever they want. Lots of swear words. I mean, just, you know, I, I didn't care. People died in my plays. I just did not care. And then I had kids and I became kind of like, oh, I never swear. Mm. <laughs> I never, oh, oh, people, they, they don't even kiss. <laughs> don't right. know what happened you're like uh, I don't I don't know how babies came out I don't of that know. Relationship. I don't. I'm not sure I'm not well, sure Lori you know what's funny like maybe this is an, another reason that another layer of resonance? resonance with me is that I did date a comic I did live with him he was a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> and yet I pined after him yeah so it was it was was that like her call? Yeah, because that was a combo. Um, that story. I don't. I don't think that my friends will be listening. They, they might not listen to this, but sometimes I'll find that I'll reread an old play, and I'll realize, oh, I totally wrote about a combo of two stories. A friend that one that a friend told me, and then I infused something else from the person who was sitting right next to me. Um, yeah, but isn't that kind of? I I think that's what we do right we do. We're, wow. we're absorbing what's happening around us and it does just naturally I think make it into our writing and then you know. maybe a little bit of my own story but I completely hide my own story mm-hmm. pretending that never happened to me I never talked about a boyfriend all the time I did not do that yes I did I'm sure I did oh, no. <laughs> I'm sure I did um but I'll act like that never happened to me and I'll just completely put that that person who I heard doing because it because it was common I mean it was you mm-hmm. know you sit with your friend and they had a story like that and we don't have them as much once we have kids if you've noticed I don't know <laughs> I don't have them as much oh no <laughs> yeah no they're, they're a lot more the they're a lot thing. more just about somebody snoring um some dishes that that I'm oh you know uh, there the, there are these different arguments I have and some of them are just in my head <laughs> so. right right the conversation that you keep replaying, but never actually comes yeah. out of your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have, I have, I have those. I write them in, I write them in like as little messages to myself. Then that can make it into your play. <laughs> yeah. Someday. <laughs> someday. Yeah. So do you have advice that you could give to, you know, we, we, we talked about this word emerging, right. Mm-hmm. And what that means and because it means something different to me than what it what it looks like on paper for a lot of contests what advice would you have for playwrights who are emerging now over the age of 40 well i feel like yeah that that is a t- that's a tough call because that word emerging i mean i feel like so many people are still emerging. I mean, when are you, when are you, when, when is the call? Is it when you've had an off-Broadway production or a Lort production? I mean, if that's the case, I haven't had that. So, you know, I, I mean, I feel like every, you know, you're emerging for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And um, just, it, it, it's harder. It's, I call them like 1.0 and 2.0 you know, I mean, I felt like there was, and, you know, back to the honor roll, I do feel like there was this time before I had kids, um, was right before I was 40. Um, and, um, that I was a certain level had kids came out of my sort of maternity leave about four years later and started doing things again and realized what, (laughs) 
this, it just feels different. And it feels like I have all this experience and I feel frustrated, like, wait a minute, I've done all these things. So, you know, so where are you, where, where are you in this, you know, mix? I, and I just think just keep, you know, I, I believe just keep sending your stuff out. Um, I'm not as good about that as some people, some, uh, I know that um, Donna Hope, who you interviewed, I mean, she's, there are people who are sending their stuff out 125 submissions a year, you know, 400 submissions a year. There's people who just want to get their stuff out there and they, and they don't care. Um, You could be like that. And that's great. And that um, will get you somewhere and it's relationships, you know, keep, keep up having a relationship. And she said, um, I think I heard, I, I listened to her. She said, own your hometown, mm-hmm. own your hometown, get involved, get involved in all the local theater that you can. Um, you know, I mean, I started out as an actor in a theater in New York and then they offered to produce my play. So that's back in the day. That's, I call that 1.02, whatever, you know, I call that the free <laughs> time when there was stuff like that, that was easy to happen. Um, it seems like that, you know, that, that, that was a different thing when I came out of, after having kids, it was, it was, I didn't have the energy. I didn't have the time. Um, you, and I didn't realize how tough that was going to be. So that's a whole different conversation as we were saying that there's just this different level. Like if you had wanted free time at, you know, like at my five-year point when my kids were still really little, um, I had to pay for that time. I didn't, that's right. I didn't, I got my first free time with my kids being 10 and 12 years old. And that's just because my husband was home just recently. I felt like I just recently felt like I could leave comfortably leave. They were not happy about it, but I could comfortably leave and come home to a messy house, but you know, could comfortably not stress myself out, not pay babysitter. This this truly is going to be an episode. A longer conversation where we get to talk about it because that is truly that struggle is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, and then, oh, and then like the fact that when somebody, um, I want to say, if you wanted to write about the, the parenting stuff, you, I start, sometimes I had started to write about it and I felt like, oh, nobody cares just (laughs) about, about like that mother struggle, just mm -hmm. that's, painful too, is that you feel like you're kind of in this place where, where, um, you know, as far as making it dramatic and somebody caring about it, the window of, of those, of those are very small. (laughs) Right. You know, so you, so we have to go like another direction, you know, another direction. Well, it's Um, interesting because Jennifer Maisel's play did have that struggle that, that mother daughter struggle in it, the one that, that we read. So, but I hear, I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah, I know so many times where I've gone, eh, but you know what? All of my plays re- recently have, well, yeah, Mabel, you too. I, all of my plays, like I, I write the same play over and over again. It's so oh, you do same. everybody. Yeah. yeah everybody yeah. writes that, that I learned that in graduate school or, you know, my teacher said that, that, that you're going to keep writing the same story over yeah. and over. And it's my, it's not in my short plays. Um, those plays are just crazy. Every single short play I've written is like insanity level, very high. Um, and then my full length plays, if you read them, they, they go across my life. They're basically like, Oh, there, there I am at like 19 and 20 and then about 25, 26, you know, I'm moving slow. I'm not up to having kids yet, but that I just finished. Oh my gosh. I did. It, it, it's so funny because it's a part of me that, that, and then there's one that's very, very dark. And I don't want to take any credit for that being any part of my life, but it kind of is, but uh, as a, as a per- peripheral character, I observed a very dark situation and I wrote about it. Um, and then I just finished a play in COVID that is about when I worked in a literary agency in New York city. And it's, it, they're all like kind of stop right before I had, and in that one, I, I think I left there r- right before I had kids. Oh, so, wow. So you can, <laughs> you, you can just like go through NPX and read them all and go like, okay. No <laughs> That's the other thing I really appreciate about this book though. I feel like I've been introduced to uh, a bunch of playwrights that I can now go and look all of you up on MPX and yeah. read even more of your work. And I feel that's really exciting. And 
I mean, the plays in here are just, they're, they're fabulous. So yeah. I do, I do hope that um, the people that are looking for 10 minute plays to produce out there, pick this up and start to elevate these voices of the women that are, that are in this book. That's yeah. what I hope happens too. I hope that mm -hmm. all of us are going to um, the local theaters and maybe even pro mm -hmm. um, promoting the books talking about honor roll, talking about um, picking 10 minute plays and maybe doing an evening of 10 minute plays and they could pick some or, you know, do a whole evening of the plays out of um, the book would be great. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah absolutely. Now we get to the writing prompt because, yeah. yes. because us moms want no excuses. Yeah. We want to get to work. So, uh, so Laura, what do you got for us for as far as a writing prompt? Okay, I was thinking about this and um, for some reason... Um, I, I decided that, okay, as the writing prompt in your scene, it could be a scene you've already started writing or you're thinking about writing. Um, but there must be a small door. Mm. Um, and in the scene, the, um, character, a character in the scene has to go get something out of this door. And I think it should be a small door, like a closet, um, a cabinet, and when they open it, now they do not have to admit this to anyone else in the scene, but they could admit it and they could not admit it, but there's a gnome inside. <gasps> and the gnome tells them a secret. They do not have to admit what this is to anybody else, but they need to see a gnome inside there. This could be in their head. They could be crazy or... It could be that they're not crazy. There is just a gnome that lives there. <laughs> I love that. Um, but Laura, it, it was so wonderful talking with you. I really do want to do the mom. The, the I think we, I think that's a conversation that needs to be had. Yeah, it should, it should be discussed mm -hmm. a little bit more, more <laughs> than not oh. at all, which is not at all now. Awesome. Thank you so much, Laura. Okay. Thank you, Laura. Right. Take Bye. care. Bye. Ah, another fabulous conversation. Man, yes. what a great show. Jacqueline Wrangle, Jennifer Mazel, Laura Rorman. Thank you so much for coming on to talk to us about She Persisted. There's the book of monologues. There's the book of uh, short plays. She Persisted was edited by Lawrence Harbison with a preface by Jacqueline Rheingold and an introduction by Teresa Rebeck. So please pick up your copy. And if you're listening right now, I want to ask if you could please take a moment to rate our podcast. It does make a difference in visibility. And as you've probably noticed, if you're following us on Twitter or Instagram or on Facebook, we are getting better with our socials. Are we though, Tori? Are we though? <laughs> hey, we are trying. We are certainly trying. Yeah. Okay. okay. So thank, thank you all. Thank you all for uh, sharing space with us. Thank you to our guests today. And thank you, audience. Thank you. Thank you, Tori Rice King. Uh, th thank you, Mabel Reynoso. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>